Hook him up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Oh, man, getting ready for a heck of a weekend. The football weekend starts tonight. Also, the high school football weekend starts tonight. We'll preview that, of course, Thursdays in our final hour. We'll talk to Drew Sanders, head coach at Vandegrift. They're off to a great start to their season. Um, off a state championship run, the right. championship game last year. They're right back at it. Might even be better this year than they were. Uh, we'll talk to Coach Sanders. They now have their second district game. Also, bottom of this hour, Rod, we're going to talk to our buddy Craig Smoke. Covers the Baylor Bears for oh, Sikkim nice. 24-7. He does great stuff. He does great stuff. Yep. And uh, we'll get in. He's a, he's an honest dude. If, if he thinks Baylor's bad, he'll tell you they're bad. And we'll see uh, with Craig. Always great uh, previewing the Baylor Bears on the week of the Baylor game. And this one is the final one, uh, maybe ever, with Texas headed off to the uh, to the SEC next year. And Baylor we'll, remaining in the Big 12. I think we'll get some trick plays, some trickery from Baylor. It's one of those games. They got nothing to lose. The starting quarterback is out. Um, most people believe that Texas, when Texas puts their foot on the gas, whenever that happens in this game, that they can truly just separate from Baylor and just deliver a knockout blow or two. We, you know, we've remarked about it and talked about it uh, how this team has a the, kind of the, a thermonuclear uh, aspect to it, where they can go on a quick run and they'll score three touchdowns in about five to six minutes. They've done it in two of the three games. I think in that Rice game, it was the third quarter where they scored three touchdowns. It took them like eight minutes, but still they can score quickly. And when they can, they just kind of bombard you uh, with a lot of points in such a short amount, a short amount of time. They really separate from teams really quickly. And if they do that against Baylor, and I think that might be kind of what this team is. That might be part of their identity as a team that, you know, they don't play four quarters of football and dominate an opponent. They just have a stretch somewhere in that game, five to six minutes, five to seven to eight minutes, where they're going to play their best football for those five to eight minutes, and that's where they'll separate. Right. And if you can out, and if you can last, if you can, you know, withstand that, then Dave, you got a shot. But the first three games of the season, e, that's basically what Texas has pretty much done. They've played with their opponent, just kind of sparring with them, boxing with them, going back and forth, and then they have this five to seven, eight minute period where they are the best version of themselves, and the opponent can't withstand that. And that's because their defense plays so well yeah. and uh, limits the opponent because they're allowing, what, 10, 24, and 10. So um, under 20 points a game, they're scoring 34 points on average, but only 13 points they're averaging in the first half, Texas. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those 21-point bursts are happening in the in second, second half. half. And that's really the exciting part, I think, for Texas. If you're looking, you're only you know 25% of the way through your season. If you can put a couple of those together or, or play mm-hmm. a four-quarter game, you can be really good because we've won three games by double digits. Um, and, you know, they haven't really been close. The Alabama game was a nail-biter because it was a fourth-quarter game on the road, but you still won it by 10, and if you had made some plays earlier, catch some balls, and you could have separated sooner from Alabama. Agreed. That's the that's the ceiling of this team, and that's the thing with Baylor. How, their ceiling in that high doesn't seem to me. Uh, they, they You know, Baylor was, was running on a backup quarterback, and they've got these three. I just saw Dave Campbell's Texas football dropped a story today. Uh um, about their three-headed, three-star backfield um, that, that Texas will have to contend with. It was written by uh, by their writer there, uh, yeah, Carter. That's their strength. The, the transfer. They talk about the, tra- they talk about the transfer Yates. from dump, uh, 
Oh, these are guys that are recruited. No, those are recruits, right? Dominic, oh, Rick, Dominic, recruits. Rick, Dominic, Richard, Dominic Richard Richardson. Reese, yeah. I thought you were talking about the running yeah, back. Yeah, now. but Richard okay. Reese is a, the sophomore who had mm-hmm. a, such a great freshman year. Yeah, he's awesome. He's from Belleville, a little free a school. Freshman Brian Ross, Washington is from uh, Franklin, Texas, in East Texas. And then freshman Dawson Pendergrass, who was their leading rusher a week ago, is from Mineola. And they were under undervalued on the recruiting trail, but they're they're their only hope. At, 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 you know, with that uh, Jeff Grimes offense, that outside zone, they're going to have to run the football and then, as you said, create some big plays and some trick plays potentially. They also have Dominic, Dominic Richardson, the Oklahoma transfer, Oklahoma State transfer. So four backs. That's where they're most talented is at running back. Uh, but everywhere else, Texas has a, has a strong advantage. And that was the exciting part for Texas last week is to see their own I think Hallettsville is a 3A school, is it not, or 2, 4A? Oh, you're talking uh, about Jonathan Brooks? Jonathan Brooks Jay having Brooks. his breakout game. Yeah. Uh, and as you've pointed out, the game plan for Texas should include a lot of heavy and 12 personnel and go right at this Baylor team. And they couldn't stop you at the end of last year's game. Can you start this game, see if they can stop you? But, exactly. Yeah. But if Texas can put a four-quarter game to go, this one this one won't be close. They have to play way down to this team if, if it's going to be a close game in the fourth quarter, in my opinion. And I, I do think they played down a little bit to Wyoming last week. I don't think Wyoming's a Pretty solid team. It was a good game plan, too, for Wyoming. Well, Offensively, they, they, they had a really good game plan uh, coming out. And, and defensively, they had a good game plan, too. And we admitted that Rice had a good game plan. We know this because Sarks even said in the post game after the Wyoming game that now that's two out of three teams they played so far where the film study and preparation for Texas didn't match up with what they saw on game day. Well, you can expect that again. I didn't expect it every damn every damn game that you like play this. from now on. Yeah, because that's the respect that teams are showing you. Like, no, 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 we got to break tendency versus Texas. Well, that's a big game. If we go into that game with our kind of normal habits and trends and tendencies, Texas is going to beat us because Texas is a well-prepared team. They have a good game plan usually. So I think that's what it is. And, you know, I think for Sark, basically what he's telling you is that Bama was the only game plan or the only game where their game plan and preparation matched up with what they saw on film and what they prepared the team for. That's why Quinn Ewers looked so good. Yeah. When Quinn Ewers didn't look good was Rice in Wyoming where they didn't prepare him e for what he was going to see yeah. because it was something new. Well, and the good thing about this year's team is they've shown that they can adjust on the fly and try to figure some things out, yep. and uh, that's when those 21-point quarters come on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, look, you know, every program, every team prepares for their conference opponents more than their non-conference. I mean, yes. you, Texas overly focused on Alabama – but I'm sure the preparation time devoted to Wyoming and Rice was not close. Baylor, I mean, you're preparing for Baylor, right? Yes, you're, sir. you're spending all offseason preparing for your conference slate. Mm-hmm. And somebody said, ever, E, come on now. They said that about Texas and Texas A&M. Never say ever, for that matter. Well, look, I mean, look, mm-hmm. yeah. they're, 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 like, Texas mm-hmm. and, and Baylor could play down the road in a bowl game, I think, potentially, right? Or I just don't think Texas is planning to go to Waco anytime soon. Because of because, non-con? Because even when Texas and Texas A&M broke up and the divorce happened, we talked about it. Every year. When's this going to happen again? When are we going to get this game back? Why can't we get this game back? No one's going to be doing that for Baylor. Nobody's going to be promoting the matchup. <laughs> no, no one's going to care. Nobody's going to long now, for look, it. look, is there a way that we com- consolidate conferences even further down the road and all of a sudden they're back in the same conference? I don't foresee that. So you're right. I probably shouldn't say ever. But there's a chance it's the last time ever that they play in football uh, at Waco. It, there's a chance. Yeah, uh, I'm with you on that. I would, I would be very surprised. Just because of all the teams that they could choose to play in non-conference from the state of Texas, now they're going to the SEC. And remember, now, now you can add Texas State. Texas State beat Baylor. It's a good point. Go ahead and bat yeah. the Bobcats. But in addition to, because now you're going to the SEC, so you have your full slate. And remember, they're still talking. They're going to add another conference game. 
to the SEC too. Remember, that's still talk about that like in the future scheduling. They're going to add another conference game once they can get more money for it from the broadcast. Once networks. ESPN will pay for it, yeah. exactly, and they will, uh, and they will, yeah, exactly. And then we know Texas is scheduling. Everybody is scheduling more blue blood programs in the non-con. That's always that one game. That's for the boosters and the donors. Like, hey, we're gonna give you that one game, whether it be Michigan or. You, whatever it is, Ohio right? Georgia, Ohio State, whatever it is. And so that leaves you only two games. Now, you can choose to, you know, obviously show some love to the state of Texas um, and some of your former conference foes. Um, but even if that is the case, man, like you said, E, there's a lot of choices. And I don't know how how high up on the list Baylor is of, of those possible well, I, well, I think if teams. you're, I think if you're uh... – if you're Steve, Steve Sarkeesian, you want to play a game in Houston, right? So Rice could still be a, a fixture. DFW would be great. DFW, you get, that, the, get that with the Cotton Bowl. But, yeah, you'd like to play an extra game in Dallas if you could. Mm-hmm. Um, and, look, there's going to be a push within the UT system to play UTEP and UTSA in schools that are – Show some love in the family. That are in the, in the, in the family, yeah, right? That are, yep. If you're going to write that big check, you know, keep it in-house. Uh, keep it in under the umbrella. So, yeah, I just don't think – I think Baylor's way down the list. I would put Texas Tech before them. Uh, I just because there's not a lot of love lost between the programs and the athletic departments and the history. Uh, just, just my opinion. All right, so uh, that's out there. We know it's a huge weekend of college football: Florida State, Clemson, Ole Miss, Alabama, Colorado, Oregon, UCLA, US, Utah this weekend and Saturday. Oregon State, Washington State, Iowa, Penn State, and then Ohio State, Notre Dame is where college game day is going. Right, it's the biggest game of the weekend, number six and number nine. I was reading a story at theAthletic.com, and then we'll get into your rant. Interesting. I did not know this. One of the big pushes this offseason, or all, all leading up to this game on Saturday, is to find a way to keep Ohio State fans out of Notre Dame Stadium. Like, and I didn't realize this, Rod. It's uh, so this all stems back to a game they played against Georgia in 2017 on that field in, okay. in South Bend, and the place appeared to be half full of Georgia fans. And, and everybody at Notre Dame was like, how did this happen? Did this? <laughs> well, it turns out, according to this story in TheAthletic.com, that Notre Dame only has 45% of their ticket sales or season tickets. Only 45%. That would surprise a lot of people, including me. And the reason is that the average alumni uh, of, of Notre Dame lives within lives an average of 500 or more miles away from South Bend. Because no one lives in South Bend once you graduate. You no, move to get the hell out Chicago's yeah. the closest, but you move. So they don't I mean so there are programs in the SEC like Georgia Rod where eighty five percent of their seats are season tickets. Right? And season ticket holders don't typically sell their tickets. So they're trying to figure out at Notre Dame how to keep all these Ohio State fans coming from Columbus and buying up all their tickets. They're having a hard time. <laughs> Uh, yeah. it's, it's become a push for them. They're trying to encourage their fans because because when you have forty five percent of your ticket being sold to only under half to your season ticket holders, that means there are fifty five percent of those tickets that are Mm-hmm. On the open, one game, on the market. one game tickets. Yeah, and yeah. that's how it happens. And they're trying to. So there's been this huge push. It'll be interesting to see with game day coming and this top ten matchup. Uh, how how many those that are wearing scarlet and gray can get into the stadium to uh, bring? Because Notre Dame wants to have a great home field advantage. They want to have the place packed with Notre Dame fans. They don't want all these uh, outliers rolling in there. These. Uh, Mm-hmm. These opposition fans, we'll see. That's an interesting story. I, I recommend it if you're a member, a uh, subscriber at theathletic.com. That's a story that's been dropped today about the. Uh, it says, can Notre Dame keep Ohio State red out? How it aims to stop a Georgia repeat. Pete, run by our friend Pete Sampson, who has been covering Notre Dame for a long time. I don't know if they can actually. That's a. I, I didn't know that either. That they and it makes sense. It makes perfect sense as to. Hey, you're not going to invest in season tickets yeah. because we. I don't live close enough to go to all the games. Yeah, that's why we have all of our games on national TV. That's right. We have a very uh, widespread uh, network of, uh, of of alumni and that we want everybody to see the game. So 
That's interesting, and I think Ohio State will probably, I mean, not probably, well, I think they're going to travel, and they're going to travel strong. So right, I don't it's know, not far. It's not, I don't it's know if they, they can stop that. It's only they a few hours. For most parts of it's Ohio, already it's, done it's, anyway. it's an easy drive. It's already done. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so we'll see. Well, so again, they've been planning for this ever since the Georgia game, and we'll see what they're because what they've been pushing is their alumni to buy to, the to tickets. buy the season tickets and then sell them to a to, Notre Dame to, fan to Notre Dame people. Yes. But, so if you're so and how important the the season ticket base is, and then so you own them, but you can still sell them if you're not going to come to the game. Uh, but yeah. don't sell them to the Buckeyes. Yeah, but the Buckeyes the may be offering more money. Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> Support your alma mater. Yeah, but if your alma mater is only offering you, you know, eighty percent of what hey. somebody else is offering you, do you take the take the higher bid? Yeah, take right. the higher bid. Right. That, that that is a rivalry for sure. Because if you grew up in the state of Ohio like I did for eight years, you know the parochial schools, all the Catholic schools in 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 Ohio, feed her to Notre Dame. Yeah. I mean, if you grew up and went to a to a Catholic school, and which a lot of a lot of kids do, um, you become a Notre Dame fan. So a lot of uh, Notre Dame fans in Ohio, and that, that go to Notre Dame, and then of course you have the the massive Columbus, Ohio State fan base. Mm-hmm. This will be a fun game Saturday night, and uh, being so close, they played last year in Columbus. Now they're playing in South Bend. This will be a good game. Hey, can we go to get Rod's rant here? Let's uh, do it. We do twice a morning. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, oh you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, now the uh, the Dallas Cowboys right now defensively, no matter what stat you're looking at, Cowboys are the the league leader right now. Pressure rate, sacks, tech takeaways, total defense, scoring defense, you name it, they're leading the league in it. Um, but they also lead the league in, and I love this stat, uh, Havoc Rate. I brought this up about Texas actually earlier this year. Texas led the Big 12 in Havoc Rate as a defense in 2022. Hopefully that's something they can uh, repeat in 2023. But for those who don't know, Havoc Rate is just uh, Havoc Plays, right? The rate of Havoc Plays. Havoc Plays, splash plays on defense. Sacks, tackles for loss, interceptions, uh, PBUs, uh, forced fumbles, fumble recoveries, you get it, right? Any splash play on defense, you know, that ter- that basically is added to the havoc rate. And right now the Cowboys are leading the NFL in what they call havoc rate. And th- this is the crazy part, all right? Basically havoc rate is all those plays, how many you make divided by total plays, all right? And they consider pressure as a part of that, too. So it's any splash play they throw in there. The Cowboys are leading the, leading the NFL right now at 80, over 80% havoc rate. The next closest team in havoc rate, which, by the way, is a, at a really good number. This would usually be considered pretty good. The Saints are at 59%. They're right under 60% havoc rate, which, like I said, usually that's pretty good. But the Cowboys, the their havoc rate is just otherworldly right now they're on they're in a different universe than everybody else in terms of the havoc they wreak on offenses and just the splash plays they make as a defense it's got to throw it out there and obviously the architect of this is the is dan quinn who is on his way to being the architect of you know another all-time great defense potentially and he's already had one with the legion of boom He'd have two under his resume with this Cowboys defense the way it's looking. So Dan Quinn spoke to the media. Shout out to my man uh, Patrick Davis, who uh, hosts the Sports Complex, 5-7, to seven, right here on The Horn. Um, sending this great audio of Dan Quinn talking about how he 
um, created these different packages? What was essentially the catalyst and, you know, what caused him to go deep into his bag and go rabbit holing to figure out how to maximize and weaponize Micah Parsons to the extent we're watching now? A guy that's going to not only be in the defensive player of the year discussion, but maybe in the MVP discussion, too. Really interesting audio. Here is Dan Quinn talking about what led to the, the, the think tank sessions on how to maximize Micah Parsons. Yeah, he's definitely, he and others have pushed me to, you know, find out things that somebody can do. And so they don't have to come in for a, a specific package, but if they can be in the game and then we can move the pieces around, I thought that would be more valuable uh, as opposed to, um, I remember a year ago, you know, a friend that I'd coached against had said, we knew if it was 3D lineman in him or 4D lineman in him where he would be. And so I remembered that lesson and heading into the off season to say, okay, that's a, that's a good challenge for us to find how we can be in a package that we want to be, but make it look different without having to change, you know, an entire, you know, defensive package. So that is, you know, kind of the catalyst of why it got pushed there. And JK does that, and Leighton does that, and some others. But uh, having that ability to to move around within. Um, and like I said, some of the guys in basketball have influenced me on that, too, to say, here's a guy who can handle the ball, but he doesn't traditionally play a five. So how would you use a player like that? And so when you have somebody that has unique stuff, it's it's uh, it's forced me to you know push myself in that direction, too. Unique stuff. I like that. He's got you got Mike has got unique stuff, Rod. Man, he's got tons of unique <laughs> stuff. I'll give you another Michael stat. He had the uh, the fastest BGO uh, versus the Jets in the league on Sunday. Average BGO, that's ball get off. How quickly, you know, you can uh, cross the line of scrimmage after the snap. According to uh, Zebra Sports, he had the the he had the fastest BGO of any pass rusher in the last 2 years. His average get off was at 0.57. He had nine pressures, including those two sacks, but nobody <laughs> had faster BGO, ball get off, than Michael Parsons. And they're saying nobody in the last two years has been faster off the line of scrimmage than Michael Parsons. He is Well, a that's freak. one of those things where when you see him, you say, I don't think I've ever seen a guy get off the ball as the fast first as step. him. Oh, first step. And then step. you hear those guys go, okay, because that's, I haven't seen one because there hasn't been one. Yeah. And, but to give you a perspective on that, Miles Garrett is just as freaky. He had a few snaps like that this past weekend, too, where he's at, not on average, but a couple of snaps, where he's at like .48 and like .52. Look at the size of that dude. You know, off the ball that quickly, that's just unfair. Yeah. Um, Offensive okay. lineman can't get up, get up fast exactly. enough. Uh, okay, one other quick stat before we hear one more cut from Dan Quinn. So if you look at NFL pressure rate leaders individually by Pro Football Focus, um, I counted three Cowboys in the top ten. <laughs> Three in the top ten. You had uh, Dorrance Armstrong. He's at 21.9%. Demarcus Lawrence at 21.4%. Micah Parsons at 21.1%. Oza Adigizu at 20%. You got four in the top ten. That is something I have not witnessed. Uh, but with any No, actually, I take it back. Philly was doing that last year. Yeah. Philly was doing that last year. Philly would have like three, four guys in the top ten in pressure rates. What the Cowboys are kind of doing. Um, and Demarcus Lawrence is quietly having an amazing season early on, and nobody's talking about it because we're too preoccupied with Michael Parsons. Matter of fact, Pro Football Focus has Michael Parsons number one edge rusher or edge defender uh, based on their Pro Football Focus grade. Demarcus Lawrence, number four. Yeah. They got him fourth. They got Micah number one. Here is actually another piece of sound from Dan Quinn, then we, we can close up uh, on uh, Rod's round of the day. 
this uh, piece of audio is Dan Quinn talking about Demarcus Lawrence and how moving Demarcus Lawrence around actually now has become a a really uh, interesting, intriguing concept for them. And it's also something giving them a huge advantage up against opponents in pass protection. Here is Dan Quinn. Yeah, I thought, uh, man, has he played um, really aggressive? And that's, yeah, no Dan, but there's a level that you can go to where he's playing at different spots. I saw him have a really good rush outside at the right end, you know, where he's played so much left end and had good things. But when we can move guys around into different spaces, I think that's what really, um, you know, sets it apart. And so he was, he's so active. He thinks about the ball. You saw him on a rush. He got his hand on one that was, uh, I believe, it was down near their end zone. It hit the ground where Diggs was, but he got a piece of that one. It's just the awareness to not just rush, but to try to, you know, extend and win the last yard of the pass rush. And so those are the things that I've seen with him. But he has really improved um, where now he can really align almost anywhere along the defensive line and feel very comfortable doing that. And so you can imagine that's not as easy to do when you've played mostly left end for your career. So I really tip my hat to him for not only accepting that, but to say, okay, hey, this is another part of how we play. What you're doing with Micah kind of influences that a little bit with him. He says, hey, he's working with this guy. I think it it's part of it, but not the driving reason. Um, sometimes we just want to, you know, put him in a matchup too. And so not not one size fits all. And so we do talk a lot about, um, you know, Micah and Trey and a lot, but there's a lot of other players that have the, that's why I was so proud, like I said, of Curse and of Hooker and a guy like D-Law and, and D-A that we move into different spots and when they get their chances, they nail those. And uh, sometimes you can overplay to one player and that's what's fun about our group. If you do that, uh, we're going to be prepared to attack in another way. And so if you overplay your hand to one side, there's some other people that are ready to take that action. Yeah, that's great stuff. Shout out to my man Patrick Davis of the uh, the Sports Complex, 5-7, to seven, right here on the horn. But Dan Quinn, now he's moving everybody around, moving Demarcus Lawrence around the jet sport, moving El- Leighton Vanderesh, J. Run Curses, he said, Michael Parsons, you have no idea who's who's in charge of what who's got what responsibility and where they're supposed to be designated on that defense on any given down very confusing for an opposing quarterback yeah and these offensive linemen that can't get off the off the ground fast enough uh to block these guys especially in passing situations that's how dominant they've been they've allowed one touchdown through two games and they're going to arizona to face joshua dobbs it could get uh really ugly for that young guy no doubt all right we come back we're going to learn more about the baylor bears their one and two start what have been the issues what is their chances of beating longhorns on saturday night our buddy craig smoke who covers the bears on the daily will give us the 411 coming next aaron hogan rod babers Hook them up. 1019 AM 1260. The Horn. Hook them up on a Thursday. Boy, it's a big one today. We've got uh, lots to do. We'll play around on what's who said that for the top of the hour. We'll also get into uh, our fabulous fifth quarter coming up top of the hour and uh, never know what's going to happen there, especially late in the week like this. Could go off the rails. Uh, typically does. Our what's popping picks and getting you ready for the e- the uh, the big game tonight. The San Francisco 49ers playing their home opener. That's scary for the NFC. They're already 2-0. and Road wins at Pittsburgh and the L.A. Rams this past week. We'll talk more about that game and drill down on uh, the Giants' chances at uh, – 
somehow upsetting the Niners, but they'll be all hyped up. The home opener and their first game there of the year after back-to-back road wins. Uh, also here coming up, we're going to talk to Craig Smoke, who uh, is covering oh, yeah. and has covered the Baylor Bears for a long, long time. And uh, whenever we uh, whenever we talk Big Twelve and, and Baylor football, uh, we talk to, to Craig because he brings it straight. He covers that team every single day, but he's not. He's not. His name is Craig Smoke. But he's not a smoke blower. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Doesn't yeah, blow he, smoke. No. He's with uh, 365 Sports. He wants to smoke. He wants Bears all the smoke. Bears 365 and Sikkim 365. So we're going to talk to him coming up. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's not one of those guys going to sugarcoat it. If they're 1-2 and two and they're bad and don't have much chance for Texas to, to not win this game, he'll tell us that. Um, but he also tell you if they're, you know, yeah, he'll if, give you the if there's a shot that, you know, they could pull the upset, if there's some something that's trending with them in the right direction. And I want to ask him about, honestly, just about Dave Aranda. And his thoughts about the talent level there and, and what's going on with Bellows. So I can't wait to talk to uh, well, Quick Smoke about it. Asking ye shall receive. Oh, yeah, it's happening. Who he is. He's right on the, uh, the Vaqueros hotline. Uh, he is Craig Smoke, as we said, covering uh, uh, the Baylor Bears for all of those outlets. And uh, he joins us now. Craig, how are you, man? It's Baylor week. Uh, good to hear you. Yeah, I'm doing well, guys. I appreciate you ha- uh, having me on. And uh, good to be with you. Good to talk with you. All right. Thanks uh, for coming on. Give us a, that's what we just said. Your your last name is Smoke. Not spelled like, like Smoke, though. S-M-O-A-K. But uh, you don't blow smoke if, uh, <laughs> if, if, if uh, you know, you give us a straight skinny on this Baylor team. And they're one and two. They've got losses to uh, Texas State and Utah. The quarterback is hurt. So it's uh, the backup, Sawyer Robinson. And also, um, you know, Dave Aranda's lost six straight to Power 5 teams and, and six and nine since that Big 12 championship. What's the the state of this Baylor program talent-wise and chances to win this game Saturday night? Well, I tell you guys, it's a very tumultuous right now in Waco just as far as uh, how people are feeling about the direction of the program. Uh, big expectations, not to, you know, go make the playoff or anything crazy like that this year, but I think people expected them to be, you know, competitive and to not be one and two at this point. The Utah game you thought was a good chance that you, you might not win that one. Um, but given the circumstances of even the youths rolling in, the fact that that was a very winnable game, the way that it unfolded, the fact that you, um, you know, played their second and third string quarterbacks and couldn't find a way to seal the deal. I um, mean, you know, that's one that got away. Uh, and then you combine that with a, the shocker against Texas State in the opener and people have been thrown for a loop early. And then you go beat Long Island and there's a two hour rain delay in the middle. And by the time you come back in the second half, it's just people are kind of already just sort of feeling like it's, not as impressive as it should have been. And so you add all those things up, and there's a lot of people who are just feeling a little bit of angst, a little nervous about the direction. There's others that feel like, hey, just everybody needs to chill out. But I think that this game this weekend is going to be very important and kind of uh, you know showing people where they're really headed and where they kind of stack up against one of the best teams, if not the best team uh, in this conference. So it's been weird. It's been a little disappointing, I think, for a lot of people. Um, but it's only three games in, and this is a young team, so I think people uh, are still excited to see what they're capable of doing, but certainly not this start that uh, you know one would have expected uh, going into this season. Hey, Craig, obviously the, the um, loss of, of Blake Shape in the starting quarterback uh, for a few games has been uh, really uh, devastating uh, on the offense. Uh, talk to us about what – Sawyer Robinson is Sawyer Robinson is capable of versus Texas. What are his limitations, and do they need to coach? Do they need to coach up Sawyer Robinson to win this game, or coach around Sawyer Robinson to win this game? Yeah, that's that's a really great question. Uh, you know, the thing about Sawyer Robinson was when we first saw him. You know, obviously somebody who's 
still very young. Um, he's got a tiny bit of experience compared to most quarterbacks and, um, you know, gets beat out by Shapin and handles it really well, but then gets thrust right into it, you know, quicker than probably expected due to Shapin's injury. And initially it was, you know, hey, things are going to be great. Doesn't have the strongest arm in the world, but he can make some pretty throws. Also has a good bit of ability to be effective in the running game to kind of keep defenses off balance. But what's happened, guys, is uh, a couple weeks ago he gets his uh, ankle banged up, and that limited his ability or has limited his ability uh, to be as effective running the football. So you saw them last week um, not run him at all. They ran the ball 50 times and worked on the passing game a little bit, but really they just tried to establish a running game that otherwise hadn't been there, and they didn't try to run him at all. And it wasn't because they don't want him to be a part of the run game or, or because you know they felt like they're just super confident they don't need to work on it. It's because they couldn't. It's because he, he's clearly dinged up. I don't know to what extent he's now healthier uh, this week, uh, but if they're not able to run the football with, with him as an, an option from time to time, it's really hard to see um, how he's going to be super effective against this Texas defense because I don't think he's somebody that can just throw it around and pick them apart, if you will. Uh, I think he kind of has to have that other side of his game uh, to keep this offense rolling. So I'm, I'm in, intrigued by how Jeff Grimes and company are going to try and, and um, you know, attack this defense, but – I don't think that, um, you know, Sawyer's somebody that can just sit back there and pick you apart. They're going to have to take some shots, but I think they're just really banking on their ability to run the football and then to have him just kind of, you know, dink and dunk, if you will, maybe take a shot from time to time. But one thing last week with his ankle being the way that it was is there were passes just dying on the vine. I mean, you look back and there's just they're, they're going halfway through the, to their target and they're just fading and, and ducking into the ground. So um, if that's not improved, it's hard to see them – really doing too much other than just trying to, um, you know, take their shots where they can. But uh, that ankle is certainly something that's impacted him. And, um, you know, for Baylor's sake, they need him to feel a lot healthier and a lot better on that ankle this week. Follow yeah. Craig Smoke on Twitter at Craig Smoke, S-M-O-A-K, as a uh, uh, host there on a, at, at Sikkim 365, writer and reporter as well, Bearcats uh, 365. Hey, Craig, uh, the defense now, I mean, Look, I went back and watched the uh, the, the Texas State game. That was such a big win for folks in our area. And, boy, Texas State, that wasn't a fluky game. They just at times looked more talented than Baylor. And then the Utah game was kind of a desperation game, and it felt like the defense did their part and gave them a chance to, to come back and get that huge win and win a Power 5 game. And then the, the two interceptions from the quarterback in the fourth quarter were brutal uh, to the cause. But the defense still seems like it can make some plays for Dave Aranda. How talented is that side of the ball? Yeah, and I should add, I'm glad you brought up those interceptions uh, late in the Utah game. I mean, that, that was Sawyer as well, and uh, that was something that, you know, he's got to protect the football better, and that's something I'm sure Texas is, is licking their chops over because he's um, still learning how to protect the football as a young quarterback. But defensively, you know, it's been a really weird story from the standpoint of, I think, going into this season, if you say, hey, what's your biggest concern on defense? Most people probably would have said, like, cornerback. And you go into, you know, week four here and you ask people what's probably the strength of defense. And I think they'd say cornerback, which is weird how that's worked out. But they've got just a good batch of young corners, freshmen and sophomores, who have, um, you know, a lot of potential and have played really well. Now, granted, here, here's the catch to that. Long Island didn't have Xavier Worthy and Jatavian Sanders, and, you know, Jordan Whittington, and all these guys, and, and neither did Utah. Utah could barely throw the ball around with Bryson Barnes and with Nate Johnson. They really just used his legs, and, and that's what hurt Baylor late in that game. So they didn't throw the ball around, um, and, you know, certainly Texas State did. And 
Um, they showed some vulnerabilities in that secondary. So uh, the corners have been a pleasant surprise, but I don't think as a whole they're as disruptive as they would like to be. I don't think they've gotten into the backfield as much as they would have liked. Uh, that's changed a little bit. Got a couple sacks, got a little bit more into the backfield, um, you know, the past couple of games. But um, they have some guys. They've shown some ability to, to make a play, get a pick here and there. But I think that's still very much a work in progress, that side of the ball. Um, linebackers, I think, are – uh, that's really going to be an area that I'm watching uh, in, in this game tomorrow up front. They're, they're good to, to okay, but uh, still again, a lot of room there and then safeties um, they've been a little dinged up. And so, you know, with Texas being able to just kill teams over the top, that's going to be fascinating to watch as well. So yeah, they do have some playmaking ability, but there are still a lot of question marks. And I mean, they've faced no team, the caliber of Texas. So um, Dave Aranda and Matt Pallage have their hands full, and I am fascinated to see how they're going to try to keep uh, Quinn Ewers and company in check or, or keep keep it within, um, you know, uh, an attainable margin to try and uh, help out this offense that has had trouble scoring points. Hey, Craig, I want to ask you about the running game because that's a big part of why at least Wyoming could play ball control and try to choke the clock with these new clock rules. Um, how's the running game for Baylor? I know they got a lot of talent in that backfield with uh, Dominic Richardson coming via transfer pro and Reese as well, the running back. Is it possible that just based on the just kind of using the ground game that they could stay in this game, choke the clock out? Yeah, I think that's what they'd love to be able to do because I don't think that, you know, they have the faith or just the ability, quite frankly, uh, in Sawyer Robertson to to throw them to victory. I mean, he can take his shots so long as the running game's effective. If the running game's not effective, it, it's really hard to see what they're going to be able to do moving the football. So, yeah, I think they do have faith in that. If you, uh, you know, watch the game last week, uh, 50 carries, and, you know, some of that too is, I think, just not – or just kind of knowing you weren't effective that day in the passing mm-hmm. game for because of Sawyer's ankle or whatever it may have been, and also just the fact that you hadn't ran it all that well in the first couple of games. So there was an extreme focus against Long Island to run the football. Now, the thing about it is is that Richard Reese had kind of been, I don't know, if just sort of slowly ramping him up. He got a lot of usage last year as a true freshman. He was all Big 12, so it was a great season. But I think they made it a point to not, you know, run him nearly as much, especially here early on. And so, you know, Dominic Richardson was a guy they brought in to kind of be a, a de facto co-starter, if not be the, the starter sometimes. But unfortunately, right now he's hurt. Uh, he's not going to be available. Wasn't available last week. Won't be available, it looks like, this week. So Reese got some run um, last week, and kind of you could tell they ramped him up a bit more. He'll be good to go. Um, but they really uh, leaned heavily on Dawson Pendergrass, who's a true freshman from Mineola, and he's just kind of a, you know, uh, I, I don't know he's he's a, a shifty guy. He's got great vision. Uh, he's not breakaway, burnaway speed or anything like that. But he's just got really good field vision and seemed to be able to have a knack for just slipping in and finding the holes at the right time. So they they gave him a lot of run last week. I think we'll see a bunch of him. I think that was kind of you know showing what what they're going to try and do moving forward. Minus Richardson, uh, then they had a little sprinkling of some of the the other guys in, in the lineup that. Um, you know, I think it'll still be Reese and Pendergrass for the most part, but, you know, they can sit there and throw in a, a Jordan Jenkins maybe for a carry or two. But, yeah, Pendergrass kind of, I think, just replaces Richardson um, until Dom gets healthy. And, um, you know, I think they're hopeful in what they can do, but I think it's also going to be a heck of a grind against this Texas defensive front. So, again, a, just a monstrous challenge for them. And how they go about trying to, to attack and find holes in this Texas defense is going to be, you know, part of the great chess match. But, uh 
yeah, that was definitely a focus for them last week. And there he is, Craig Smoke, as the uh, Longhorns head to Waco for the 113th time and maybe the last ever or certainly for quite a while as a Big 12 uh, member of the Big 12. Uh, Good stuff right there. That's the overview we wanted. Now I think we see why the Longhorns are more than two touchdown favorites in this game, even though they haven't won in Waco since 2017. Uh, That is the challenge uh, coming up. Craig, appreciate you, my friend. That's good stuff right there. Uh, Outstanding. Thanks, bud. I appreciate you guys anytime. Uh, I'm glad to be with you all. And, uh, yeah, just have a great weekend. Thanks a lot. You Thanks, too, buddy. buddy. Yeah. He gave us the real. It yeah. seemed like uh, Craig Smoke gave us the real. That's what he's known for. Something tells me a, you know, not largely recruited 3A running back from Mineola is going to scare Texas' defense that much. And, no. then, and then hearing that Sawyer Robertson's got the ankle injury. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. And not, that's probably why they didn't run him as much. Yeah, they didn't. And tried to protect. Mm. Plus, it was raining. I drove from okay. from Austin to Dallas in that rainstorm okay, that, that delayed reason. that game for two hours. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this is not a very talented Baylor team. And young, they're, as you just heard him say, where they are talented, they're young, and then they've got the – kind of sounds like Texas last year when Quinn Ewers got hurt, and then you had a backup in Hudson Card that was limping around and trying to manage, and that leads to issues, especially early in the season. We'll come back when we do. Who said that? Who said that? Coming next. Hogan. You just got to keep living, man. Rod Babers. L-I-V-I-N. E and Rod B. On the horn. Ooh, and this man. Who said it? Appreciate uh, Craig Smoke saying what he said. That was good stuff. A preview of the Texas-Baylor matchup. Uh, not one of the marquee matchups in college football this weekend, but there are plenty on so Saturday. Uh, we will reset those coming up. Also, the big game tonight, the uh, Niners opening up their home slate with the Giants in town without Saquon Barkley. Also, there was a trade in the NFL last night into this morning, which we'll tell you about coming up after the top of the hour. But, Rod, it's time for a round of Who Said That. Who I, said that? I don't think you're going to know who said this. But I want to play it for you in our audience because it's funny. Uh, I think we've all heard of the story now of the uh, the jet plane. Oh, the uh, the F thirty five stealth yes, fighter missing? jet that went they, missing. Yeah, because he they probably like ejected out of yeah, it and they couldn't they, find it. Yeah. Well, now we have an eyewitness. It really is stealth. Can can I play this for you? Oh, I love this. I was in the uh, in the bathroom taking a shave, and I heard a, a screeching between a screech and a whistle. <laughs> <laughs> I said, what in the world is this? And I heard a boom. Then my whole house shook. Did a meteorite come out of space or something? And I said, well, if the airplane, it needed to be reported. Look, the thing was flying just too low. Choppers keep flying around. I said, well, somebody must, somebody must have robbed the bank or whatever. Just with the grace of God, nobody didn't get hurt. Anything man-made can malfunction. But it needs to be investigated, and the public needs to know what really happened. It could have been a major disaster. <laughs> wow. Can we get that noise again when he's trying to imitate? I was in the, uh, in the bathroom taking a shave, and I heard a, a screeching between a screech and a whistle. <laughs> <laughs> I said, what in the world is this? There that we go. is such great. The accuracy of the zap. Yeah. That is Randolph White. <laughs> Of uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Oh, well done, Rad. He's asking the real question, though. What's really going on here? Some investigation. I love it. I thought he was about to say something else, taking a shave. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you know, okay, we got it, we got it. <laughs> taking a, I never heard that, taking a shave. Taking a I shave. I never heard it put like that. It I went, wonder if he was about to say taking a shave. And then he, he, he corrected himself. It. He's like on Family Feud or something, you know? Oh, that was great. Yeah, I was taking a sh- shave. <laughs> He was quick on his feet, Randolph was. I love the noise, though. I've never heard anybody try to imitate the noise of something. One more time. Give me that again. <laughs> Come on. Here we go. 
uh, in the bathroom taking a shave, and I heard a, a screeching, between a screech and a whistle. What is the what is the reaction of the reporter when oh, he does the much. noise? Yes, I yes. Seen that. keep going, keep going. Now the nap guy says a scrissel. Yeah, <laughs> it's a screech and a whistle. Yeah, it was so good. Oh man, that I don't know if we gonna top that today. This boy, that was too good. <laughs> that was great. Oh, uh, what's his name again? Uh, hey guy, that guy's a legend, man. We got to remember Randolph that guy. White. Rand, he's even got a good name. Randolph. 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 Randy White. Yeah, exactly. Randy White, yeah, the manster. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Good for you, Randolph. You're a legend now, man. God bless you. Okay, Ty, I sent you a few of these. Can we get the uh, the one of the uh, the QB? Can we get the QB? Is that cool? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, who's that? Wait, which? Oh, the, the, the older QB? Or oh, you're right. That's two QBs. No, the, 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 the younger QB. Okay. Thank you. Quick snap, back to throw Prescott. Double clutch, throws it right. Incomplete, almost intercepted. Sauce Gardner jumped the route, should have had a pick, just couldn't hold on. I, I was thinking about the touchdown before, before yeah, I caught the ball. I appreciate that. I owe you something. <laughs> Dak's like, I appreciate that then. Yeah, I appreciate that. You probably know what that is by now. That was Dak and Sauce. But I wanted to play the sound because I love them talking to each other. And Dak's like, no, I appreciate you dropping that pick. Yeah, that would have been a pick that. six, too. That'd pick six, baby. I need that. Good for Your you. Your guy Keaton Crawford had one of those for the Longhorns last week. Oh, he should have had a pick six. he did. It did it got caught it, though. Different, his, this guy caught it. <laughs> Keaton Crawford's guy caught it. You don't want that. Shut it down. This Shut it down, sh- baby. Uh, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll have more. Um, piece of sound I need to play for you, Rod. Actually, play your other one, and I'll get the other one I have for you. All right. You want to hear this can, other quarterback. Just, you can pick any of them, Ty. I sent you like four or five. Just play one. Who said that? Time atmospheres like Athens. Um, how do you? I've never played anything like this. I've been to <laughs> one SEC game. My daughter's being recruited at the University of Alabama, and we went to the Ole Miss-Alabama game. And to this day, I think the Kentucky Derby is the coolest thing I've ever been able to go to, live sports. Uh, I think it's it's better than Super Bowls. An SEC football game at night is way better atmosphere than a Super Bowl. Uh, I think it's the second coolest thing I've ever been to as a as a spectator. So I'm personally really excited about going and and going to an SEC game at night. It's different. I mean, they're- that's uh, Trent Dilfer. That is, he said. Coach of UAB in the plan Georgia this week. That, that night games in SEC more exciting than the Super Bowl. Sanford, Sanford Stadium. Wow, right there on campus. That's crazy. That's kind of cool about Sanford Stadium. If you've ever gone to Athens, you can be I'm walking not. on campus and you won't even see it because it's kind of sunk down in the sta- in the ground. You'd be walking across this bridge. You look over. There's a stadium. Like in Texas, it's just, just it towers above everything. Not there, not Georgia, but it's a great stadium, great place to see a ball game. I'll play this for you. I think you'll know the voice because we we played <laughs> earlier the, uh, the the always compelling and exciting Dave Aranda. <laughs> We have a coach who's one of the greatest ever who also is equally compelling doing a radio interview. Saw a little bit of Taylor. That was pretty impressive. Yeah. She, yeah. Killed it. She's tough, man. She just stood <laughs> out there and played right through it. Consider yourself to officially be a Swifty? No. Officially? I don't know about that, but what does that mean? Like you have a, a, a sweatshirt or something? <laughs> Look, I'm definitely on the you got to calm down. <laughs> Okay, he's a Swifty. That's, that's pretty good. Like that's you pretty gotta good. calm down. That's, One of our best. Um, that's uh, there's a lot of times when that's very appropriate. 
There you so go. Belichick, a fan, but not a Swifty yet. I think he was talking about the, the concert that she put on yeah, at he's Gillette a, Stadium. He's a fan of it, but he's like not officially a Swifty. <laughs> he said, what does that, what does that mean? You have a sweatshirt? You, a sweatshirt? <laughs> you, a sweatshirt you bought a t-shirt? He did know one of the songs, though. Yeah, and she, she, I guess it started raining during her show, and he said she just kept going. Just kept going? She just kept going. Hey, man, you, you earned Belichick's respect. That's, that's, that's pretty big time. That's right. Time. The GOAT. Man, the GOAT. Who, by the way, is facing, if he can't beat the Jets on Sunday, an 0-3 start. And if, he, if they can't beat the Jets, they play the Cowboys the following week. The Patriots Could haven't lost. 4 They haven't lost to the Jets since 2015. So if the Jets beat them, it'll be the first time in a long time where they can beat the Patriots. The Patriots own the J-E-T-S, yes, yes, yes. If there's a who said that Hall of Fame, that's it. That guy's in it. Randolph. Randolph. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back. The fabulous fifth quarter is coming next. (laughs) Never know what's going to happen. And now we're already off, halfway off the rails here. Oh, man. Z and Rodby, hook them up.